The world of story has captivated humanity since the dawn of time. The oldest known form of communication, verbal storytelling is responsible for the continuity and development of civilization from its most primitive moments to its most advanced. Story involves a sense of mystical wonder, but is also a powerful medium for communicating real and concrete ideas that shape people's lives and make them take action. Steve Schramm, marketer, nonfiction writer, and story nerd, and Alex Jagir, fiction writer, wannabe game designer, and story nerd, join forces as worlds collide to discuss how story is the most powerful concept ever known and how it interacts with each and every aspect of our lives, from the most magical to the most mundane. Well, welcome in to episode number... Did we decide this was episode 35? I think this is episode 35. Yes, of the Story World podcast. Super excited to talk about a movie that Alex made me watch the other day. He twisted my arm. He forced me. He broke my tongue. Um, And um, he uh, called Knives Out. Now, I had never seen this. I had never heard of it. Uh, but Captain America is in it. And so any movie that Captain America is in. Um, Shield and all. Yes, I am. I am all about it. So the big screen, another big screen episode. You know, Alex, I really enjoy these. I like talking about movies and stuff that we watch. I feel like it's a, it's a fun thing. But it's, it's kind of like that, uh, the Chinese doll on Turbo Man. You know, it's fun and educational. You know, jingle all the way. So it's good. Mostly educational. It's not like Steve and I oh. love watching these movies. It's more or less a chore where we kind of, you know, sit down, take notes, pause it. And it can be, you know, tiresome. Yeah, but, I mean, I complain, to, I complain to my wife for like 30 minutes before I have to go over to your house and watch these every single time. Yeah. You, should hear, you should hear it. And then, of course, stuffing your mouth full of meat when you come over, you know, which whatever, whatever, whatever I cook up. So you... uh <laughs> last time we had what elk sausage elk and like sausage, brisket what else sausage. brisket sausage i went all yeah anyway those are yes oh they were good anywho yeah knives out this is uh one of my favorite movies um i think yeah i went to the theaters to watch it with brooke it kind of it blew me away and then over the next month or so whenever it came out i think i watched it like four or five times the first month it came out because I had to watch it with my dad. I had to watch it with my mom. And then I forget who else I watched it with. I watched it with a lot of people. I was like, you got to watch this. And um, so it is one of my favorite movies. Um, I wouldn't say I am a nerd when it comes to whodunit movies. Um, I liked uh, Murder on the Orient. Um, and then I like Sherlock Holmes. But again, it's nothing that I dive into and read the books and you know really try to find the mystery in each one i just i go in casually and i enjoy it and i like to be surprised i don't really try to mm-hmm. figure out along the way um i just like to see the ending and and get excited by it but this one has just a couple first of all it's just very well made and it throws in just a couple nice twists that you don't really see in other whodunit movies and so i i think that's what kind of sets it apart um but yeah, um, excellent movie. Just for a uh, for those of you listening who have not seen it, uh, full spoilers um, coming up. I think we'll probably will touch on spoilers. So uh, yeah, oh yeah. If you haven't, go watch it. And especially with a whodunit movie, you definitely don't want spoilers for that. Um, but at the very least, I will start off by reading off the synopsis of what Knives Out actually is. Uh, the circumstances surrounding the death of crime novelist Harlan Thrombey are mysterious, but there's one thing that renowned detective Benoit Blanc knows for sure. Everyone in the wildly dysfunctional Thrombey family is a suspect. 
Now, Blanc must sift through a web of lies and red herrings to uncover the truth. Um, anyway, I want you to tell me, Steve, what you thought you were getting into for this movie. Did you did you kind of expect I, I kind of figured you thought it would be good. You and I kind of have the same taste in movies. But um, did you think it'd be more or less kind of a typical follow the formula line of uh, whodunit movies or what were you kind of thinking? <laughs> Well, you know, going into it, I was thinking, um, you know, maybe along the lines of something like Clue, right? That's the classic, yeah. you know, to, for me anyway. I'm sure there's, I'm sure some real movie snob would be able to identify some much more classic classic. But for me, the classic whodunit um, was Clue. And so my expectations were kind of like, okay, well, if there's anything like Clue, I'm sure that I'm going to love it. Now, something about this movie that, struck me much like another movie that we watched recently was how well the um opening sequences of the movie mm. were and uh because i'm the marketing guy um my time studying marketing ha has told me that what we call this is the hook and actually since i'm a music guy um the hook is also a concept in music and it, it basically, it's it's the thing that makes you keep coming back. It's the thing that, and, and a lot of times, especially in marketing, you have to hit people up front with it. And so the same is true in in movies. Um, but some movies don't have as good of hooks as others, and you don't really know what to expect. I feel like this movie, uh, they set the hook really, really well. They pre-framed in the very, just the very opening sequences of some of the shots of, of the, you know, around the mansion that were there and the kind of just the the paraphernalia and things that were on the walls and the names that you saw popping up and everything. I thought uh, they did an exceptionally good job of like, I remember within the first two minutes being like, Oh man, I'm going to love this. Um, and it reminds me of interstellar. The same thing was true of interstellar right there in the beginning, you get some confusing, but really cool stuff that mm -hmm. just draws you in. And it's like, okay, well I have to figure out how they got here. Uh, so yeah. I thought that this movie did that really well and kind of hooked my expectations from the beginning. Yeah, I agree. The um, to go along with the hook, what I've seen a problem in not just um, mystery or whodunit movies or um, honestly, it could apply to any genre is a lot of times a movie might start off pretty good, like showing a murder scene or showing something mysterious. You're like, OK, I'm good. I'm in it. And then the next 10, 15, 20 minutes are kind of a dud um, either because yeah. characters aren't developing very well. Like they show you this big thing and then they're like, okay, now we're going to show you all this backstory that, you know, kind of matters, but it's not very interesting, but you need to know, but knives out does it in a very kind of subtle way where <laughs> at the beginning, when they're introducing the characters, um, they're being interviewed. Um, by a couple of the detectives and Benoit Blas in the back kind of listening on. And so right away, you're yeah. it's an interrogation. And so you're kind of already hooked into it because you just saw, um, again, spoilers, at the beginning it shows, um, what's his name? Yeah, Harlan Thromby um, get his throat slit. And so um, they're interviewing the family in his rich mansion. And so one, that's a way to introduce the characters. Um, two, you're interested already because it's an investigation. So you're wondering how the questioning is going to go. I think pretty much most everyone likes questioning scenes. It's always fun yeah. to see like the back. So good. And then yeah. three, it, it really does do a great deep dive into exploring, not just introducing the characters, but how their relations are with each other, how their relations are mm -hmm. with their father and all within the first 
10 minutes you have that in an interesting way too um so he accomplishes a lot with the great writing and the interaction of the characters and um so anyway i thought that was a, a great intro for the movie to have to really get things going and then keep it going yeah um just to just to come in on that point real quick, I wrote down the word pacing um, because I do feel like they did this very, very well. And the way that I would kind of describe it is at just the right time mm-hmm. in the movie when I wouldn't say when you could get bored because I didn't think the movie was boring at all. But it, at just the right time when it's starting to feel like you need something more. They give it to you. It's like they introduce a new character or a new piece of information or uh, like a real tangible example is the, uh, and I I don't know the character's name, but uh, the grandson, um, right? Captain America. Um, He, it it is the grandson, right? Is that, that's accurate. Yes. Hugh Thromby. Hugh, is that right? I forget what he goes by that. Um, Ransom. Ransom, yeah. Hugh Ransom Thromby. Yeah, yeah. So he, like everybody talks about him throughout the movie, but it's like, it's a good while before you get any, before he really becomes a part of what you're watching at all. And like, finally, at one point he like comes in and then like a lot more of the story centers around him. So that's just a practical example. But there was, I think, a few times where that sort of thing happened where it's like, okay, we need something else to to get this going. And then boom, right when you need it, the, the writers give it to you. So I thought it was fantastic pacing. It's really an excellent example of um, anyone who wants to tell a story, um, you know, a writer of any type, just watching that movie and getting ideas and really studying how to um, obviously you're not going to have everyone dying in every single scene or everything super big happening, but it's a great study to follow um, how interesting he keeps it throughout the entire thing. Um, Just a great example of that. So you feel like you're, if you're like writing something or coming up with an idea that just doesn't seem to quite get excited about it. um, Just try to take some ideas from that. One thing that he does too that I kind of have in here is even though it's a whodunit, um, the comedy is it's it's a comedy movie too. I mean, there are some very oh, yeah. parts in so there. Good. And comedy is one of those things where it's kind of hard to do and pull off and make it seem natural and funny. Um, yeah. but if you can add a little bit of humor into whatever you're doing, marketing too, humor is fantastic marketing. We've talked about that before, um, depending on what you're, you know, what you're selling. <laughs> but uh um yeah. Yeah, if you're selling caskets, not so much, but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, but... well, no, it, both of those are good points in, in marketing, specifically in copywriting. These are two very important things. Um, I, I would say pacing and personality. Um, so, and, and I, I say personality because it could be humor, but maybe not. Um, you know, it's 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 not when you're ever, whenever you're writing. Part of what you're trying to do is, is develop a um, we talked about it before, but an attractive character or or a persona. But basically, you just want to be the person that you are, as real as you possibly can be. And that needs to come out in your writing. So, like, don't speak one way and then, you know, don't speak like a country boy and then write like an academic. Mm-hmm. If you're going to, if you speak yeah. like a country boy, people are used to seeing you on YouTube or hearing you on a podcast, and then they go read one of your sales letters and it doesn't sound like you, yeah. they know that, right? So, be as genuine as possible. And then when you're writing, even you can try 
a little bit of pacing. You can actually, and there's, you know, we can't talk about it right now, of course, but there's tons of techniques that you can do. Uh, spoiler alert, copywriting is not about being a good writer. Like that's not what <laughs> copywriting is at all. Um, copywriting is about using uh, what the pros call it is they call them blocks, uh, blocks of copy, different blocks of copy. But, you know, just think of it as different uh, frameworks and different, you know, different ideas you can use that are fairly standard practice across, you know, uh, across the marketing world, you know, writ large that you can put into your marketing. For example, one such thing is um, would be called a trial close. So this is where you say something like, hey, that's pretty cool, right? Like you get somebody shaking their head, yes, all throughout the presentation. So that at the end, when you say, hey, you should buy my thing, right? You're you're still going, yes, and you're taking your wallet out, you know, or the end of the sales letter. So just a quick example of how the concept of pacing is great for keeping somebody involved in a movie. Well, guess what? If you're trying to get somebody to read a thousand word long sales letter, you're going to need to do some pacing to keep them interested in that as well. Or even a three minute long sales video. Uh, it's hard work. We're on YouTube now. It's hard work to get people to actually stay for a while and watch your thing or listen to your thing or read your thing. So th this is the kind of work that, yeah, you might think, oh, well, this is just happening to me as somebody's trying to tell me this story. Well, it's the same kind of thing that you need to be um, causing to happen to others if you want them to care about what you have to say. Yeah, think of just adding to what you used to think about how many times you've seen an ad on Facebook or YouTube and the first initial thing gets your attention and you watch for maybe like 10 seconds of it and then you think, oh, okay, it's actually not that interesting. And then you move on. So Go yeah, on. that hook is important, but I think even more important is keeping that hook in. Like what you're saying, that's that's a big part of the movie. Um, So onto, I guess you can kind of say the main character. Some people might, well, Benoit Blas is kind of the, the show here. I mean, he... He does. Daniel yeah. you know, Craig does a fantastic job playing this Southerner. I did find out it is a Southerner because you're like, what accent is that? Like, what? What is he? And yeah, yeah. He, is a, he is a Southern boy. Um, and he just with a French yeah. name though. What in the <laughs> yeah. world? Yes, nails the part though tremendously. Oh, yeah. And in the sequel, um, Glass Onion, which is coming pretty soon, we're both really excited for. Um, he's the main character again. So I think they're kind of making this universe right. where he is, you know. And blah blah. And so anyway, but the other, I would say, the main character, Marta Cabrera, is the uh, the friend, um, kind of a, a paid maid, but ended up being friend to uh, Harlan Thrombey. And without going into the details, because um, we don't want to go point by point by point on everything that happened in the story, but um, she witnesses um, the death of Harlan Thrombey when he kills himself. Um, and so what happens is. Uh, Two things that I love. First of all, whenever she lies, she throws up. <laughs> and um, just what a uh, really funny thing to put in a movie where yeah. is all about lies and secrets and keeping things. And so what's great about this is right from the get go, you as the watcher know, OK, she cannot lie. It it, it eliminates yeah. a lot of possibilities where um, I can't think of a movie at the top of my head. But for instance, if you're watching it. In Marta Cabrera, say if she is lying and she's able to lie, you as the watcher might think, okay, but are they going to do a weird twist at the end where she just made this whole thing up and she's really the bad person? But no, right at the beginning, you think, oh, okay, if she actually cannot lie, then then she can't lie. So everything she says yeah. is going to be true. And that just puts a really big staple in it where that's a surety that you can count on. And it eliminates yeah. a lot of possibilities and it kind of 
helps you focus a little bit on, you know, trying to find out what she's telling for the truth. Um, so I just love that they put that in the movie. That was super cool. Um, I guess, is that what you would call a plot device? I was just Googling. I think that would be like maybe a plot device or something. I don't, I don't know. With, um, yeah. Yeah. That works. Like, like something, yeah. Something that you basically invent that's it's sort of arbitrary, right? Like it didn't have to be that way, but because it was that way, it, allowed for interesting things to happen throughout the throughout the story i actually think that's really cool and something that as i continue you know a little foray into my own fiction stuff um something i want to think about because it's, it seems to me that that's something that you could introduce that could even help with writer's block and things like that mm. right where it's like oh i don't know what to do in this situation oh well, maybe I can pull out one of my plot devices here and maybe that will infuse some new life into this situation. So I thought that was just such a neat little thing that um, at various points throughout the story, it was kind of a linchpin, right? It was it was like it was like, oh, like the fact that this is the case makes a difference. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. And it, it helps Benoit Blah, too. And he knows about it, too. That's the other thing is he knows that she's exactly she lies. And so he liked yeah. to keep her close around to the whole thing. Another great part yeah. of the movie that maybe, again, I'm not a nerd when it comes to the whodunit, um, you know, world or universe. But um, one thing that I have never seen before, at least this explicit, is the movie basically shows you what happens at the beginning. It shows you Marta Cabrera yeah. up there, shows you how she messed up the meds and how she basically poisoned him. Um, so you, at least you think at the beginning, um, you know what happens. And so I think you had said, we paused it for a little break, whatever you said, I'm curious to see what's going to happen because like, we know what happened. So is this whole rest of the movie going to be about her just trying to like hide it? Like, and so that provided a really great way with presenting you the audience where it kind of put you almost one step ahead of Benoit Blah, the detective himself. So you were like in on it and you knew more than what he did. Um, another great, um, I wouldn't say trick, it's its just a great um, writing thing to do, is in Marta's mind, she messed up the meds and poisoned Harlan and killed him. Now, but obviously that you know wasn't the case in the end, we find out. But what's great about that is if you're writing a book, um, you know, I, I would assume probably fiction in this case, um, and you want to, if there's a secret you want to have cover up, a lot of times you'll tell the audience something that necessarily the character doesn't see. So character walks into a room, you might mm -hmm. describe the room, even though the character's not looking at it all. But if you're kind of in the mind of a character, you know, like, okay, here's the viewpoint of this character. Um, a great way to hide knowledge about something that you don't want the reader to know is to make sure that the character you're writing about doesn't know that information either. So even though we saw everything that happened in that scene, we're led to believe that Marta switched the meds because she thought she switched the meds. Yeah. Now the director could have gone a different way instead of differently where we saw, where we would see actually no, like before we saw uh, ransom switch the meds and then everything, we could have seen that all played out, but instead he let us yeah. be Marta's mind thinking that's what happened. So just a really cool strategy there where if you want to keep secrets hidden, use a character that doesn't know those secrets and just tell the reader what they know. Dude, that's huge. Like if I had a if I had a mic that was cheap enough for me to be willing to drop it, um, I would drop it right now after hearing that. I mean, that was really good. <laughs> we good need a drop. We just need to get a mic for this show just for dropping. 
There'd be oh. too many mic drops. Too it, many. It's happening. Even when we, it, even when we don't deserve it. It has, it, has it. it has to happen. Um, yeah, I'll just use that point to, to, because that's kind of the point that I wanted to make with one of the uh, uh, points that I wanted to make. <laughs> and that is that I really liked the use of, I, I'm, I'm calling it like misdirection, but not. Um, it's like, we again, we only knew a little bit. Like we knew enough to know that Marta was um, was innocent, but yet we didn't know. Well, we didn't we didn't know that she was um, innocent. But like, I don't think we ever felt at any point that she was like guilty in the sense of the term. But right. but we knew, but we felt bad for her. We felt bad for her because she genuinely hated what happened. And the whole time we're thinking, oh well, yes, this happened, and it really sucks. And we're kind of on her side because, in a sense, it's the weirdest thing. We want her to get away with it. Oh, because yeah. Because yep. she was the most genuine person out of the whole crew, out of the whole cast, and she wasn't even one of the family members, right? Yeah. Um, so we certainly didn't want the dirty family members getting any of the fortune. You know, we wanted her to get it, um, even though ultimately the death was her fault. Then, of course, spoilers at the very end, um, it actually wasn't, yeah. right? It actually wasn't her fault. And so the end was super duper satisfying at that point because even though we kind of like even though from like what i would say what the 15 or 20 minute mark or maybe it was a little yep. later than that but i would say around yep. the 20 minute mark in we knew what happened but we only knew like 95 percent, and that last five and that last made the, the end the hole right in the donut hole <laughs> that's that's right and in fact i would say that made up about four percent and then the one the one final satisfying percent was when you find out that Benoit the entire time knew what was going on because there was one little splatter of blood on her yep. shoe that he pointed out and he noticed it, but he said that he went along with the whole thing because he knew how genuine she was. And so that last 1% was like, he knew that there was more to the story, even though we didn't. So even though the yep. whole time you felt like you were one step ahead, at the very last second, you found out that <laughs> he was still just one itty witty step ahead of, ahead of you. Yeah. And the only redemption yeah. that you had as a, as a watcher to maybe get on his level is there was one scene when she comes into her house after all this stuff happened where they zoomed in on that blood spot yeah. on her, on her foot. Um, but that was it. And like, you're thinking the whole it. time. Oh, I hope he doesn't see it when he are exactly asked. when he's already seen it by that point, when you watch Crazy. the whole movie and you really, so then you, if then, if you try to like rewatch it with being in Benoit Blas mind, he knows that she obviously is involved somehow. Like he knows that she actually didn't do it. And so even for him, it must have been even more confusing at, than like the watcher. Cause like he, oh, his yeah. mind, he's like yeah. trying to figure it all out. Yeah. Um, it, maybe some people would think it's corny, but I really like that. Um, he just knew that she didn't do it because like he just knew she was kind. I think he used that yeah. word specifically. I actually thought that was a pretty touching part of the movie. Like it, it was, it was pretty good. I, I thought. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I totally agree. And I'll just, you know, I'll just say too, I thought the characters were really fun. Like this was one of my favorite things overall about the movie is just the character. <laughs> the characters were all so well done. Even the ones that you didn't like, you know, because they didn't, they, you know, honestly, the writers didn't want you to like them. It was like, I like them, even though I'm not supposed to right in that regard. It's like that the character is just I call it a cliche or whatever, but the characters were just really, really well done really for good. what they were trying to, to, to do. I thought the acting was, 
you know, for the most part, really on point. Of course, I'm no expert on acting, but I, I, I did. I did think it was really good. It was just a fun movie overall, man. Super really fun. fun. I love how the Philly members kept saying that she was like Venezuelan. And then I would be like, oh, that Cuban girl. <laughs> and yeah, like four different yeah. countries. That uh, yeah, that Moroccan funny. girl. Yeah, and they would just keep on going with it. <laughs> yeah. uh, just so it many nice great. little touches yeah. like that that, did, that didn't yeah. have to be there. But maybe and maybe those maybe that was a whatever a plot device right like oh the family members don't know where she's actually from so they all say a different thing and that was just right it was yeah. just fun it just it kept was it was part of that pacing kept you going really entertaining yeah what a yeah it was great um the last thing really that i kind of have about it is um just a tribute to how good daniel craig played the role is uh, i don't know what was better the actual full reveal at the end or watching daniel craig unfolded in his character to you it was so entertaining watching him unspin that whole ball of yarn and get to the end yeah so entertaining yeah you know what it reminded me of was um um monk i love the show monk. oh yeah. <laughs> have you seen that please i have the reason yeah. why i started watching it i could be wrong on the actor i could be getting confused but i'm pretty sure that guy uh, the main actor is from portland maine and no one comes from Maine, and that's where I'm from. And so I was like, "Oh, I gotta watch it." Like he's from Portland. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure. But anyway, I watched uh, I watched a couple yeah. seasons worth, and that was a good show. Yeah, I've watched I've watched the whole series uh, twice through now, um, and just uh, it's just fantastic. And that, that kind of goes to my last point: the writing was really on point for the genre, which is just to say, yeah, like it fulfilled on the promise of being a great whodunit. Um, you know, oh, you yeah. had the you 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 totally had the here's what happened moment you know at the end where where yep. Daniel Craig's character just you know lining out the whole thing and it they, was he kept perfect. the traditional whodunit stuff by and then adding his own twist it was exactly it was the way you would want to see a movie like that yeah. um yeah. just to get so us excited great. about Glass Onion everyone listening um terrific lineup of cast some of my I guess they were actors, really good actors. Daniel Craig's coming black back again as Benoit Blanc. Is he becoming you, black for this movie? That's crazy. He's becoming, yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit controversial. What could be going with it? Good lord, <laughs> especially for a southern guy, that is serious commitment. <laughs> coming back to my role. Also, Edward Norton. I think he's, pr- I think he's an underrated actor. Oh, he's terrific. Um, yeah. I agree. Bautista, Ethan Hawke, and a bunch of others. So, oh, um, yes. Oh, that's going to be so good. Wow, so what a cast. Yeah, it's going to be so what good. What a cast. Um, yeah, that's all I have on, on that movie. Um, so Beautiful. If you, you have nothing else, um, then we can go to story of the week. We're yeah, going to save these for last because his is a real doozy. Um, so we'll go with mine. Um, for anyone who uh, likes video games or specifically likes uh, the God of War series, the Ragnarok, I think probably the final trailer or last big one just came out. It's a three minute long one and it looks terrific. When you watch a video game trailer and it could like take the place for an amazing movie, you know, you're going to get a great experience. And so anyway, go check it out. God of War Ragnarok. I am super pumped by it because it's probably my first or second favorite series. So go check it out. And I'm really excited when it comes out stay yeah cool well my thumb is about seven to ten percent missing oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know look um this is story of the week 
this on this the story thing. world podcast. So I am going to take the three to five extra minutes. If that's yes. okay, you, if you if you know what, no, if you, you want to leave now, you like you have my blessing. But this story is not very cool. So I really need to try to give you the coolest version of the story yeah. that I possibly can. Okay. So it all started in 2016. <laughs> all right. So for real, I'm a huge personal finance nerd. Um, I am. I love it. I love personal finance. I love budgeting. I love Dave Ramsey, kind of. Um, really, I used to really love Dave, and then um, I don't know. I I I like I like Dave, but have my disagreements. And um, anyway, so I also now use this tool called YNAB, which just stands for You Need a Budget, and there's a whole educational company around them as well, and really cool stuff. Okay, I'm also a huge mug. <laughs> I love mugs. I can't help it. I really love mugs. So YNAB has a swag sale every so often, basically never. And when you order it, you got to pay, you got to like, you pay for everything and then you have to wait for it all to ship together. It's like this exclusive thing, right? It's really hard to get swag. So I, I, I paid like $70 and I had to, you know, wait three months to get these things delivered, this mug, this t-shirt and, um, uh, this hoodie. And so I have my YNAB mug. I absolutely love it. Okay, fine. Well, fast forward to a couple of weeks ago, I take my mom to Arkansas to the doctor um, for uh, to, to get some testing for a medical issue that she was purport purported to have. And now it turns out she may not have. And on the way back through, uh, we stopped in Nashville and went to Dave Ramsey's place. So Dave Ramsey has this huge new, um, uh, complex there it's a couple buildings whatever you can go and watch him tape the show live and it's pretty cool and one of the things is they give away like to have a little cafe there when you go in and you get you can get a free cookie you can get free coffee um and for every household that comes to visit they'll give you a free mug and i remember i love dave ramsey i love personal finance and i love mugs so you best believe i'm not leaving without my free mug so I get my free mug. We go home. Everything's fine. My free mug sits on the cat on, on the counter, kitchen counter for half a week, a week, something like that. Okay, all well and good. Well, at some point, my wife decides, okay, we should probably put this where the mugs go. So <laughs> that's cool. Makes so sense. she puts, so I mean, it does make sense. It's logical. So she puts the mug. And by the way, disclaimer, this is not my, what happened. It's not at all my wife's fault. It's it's not at all. <laughs> sounds not, like. No, no, no. I'm not going there. It is not her fault at all. It just so happens that this is part of the story. Okay. So that's all. So uh, no, I love my wife. She's taking great care of me. She's amazing. He um, got to say that. No, I, no. She's so, <laughs> so, so anyway, so, so she puts it away. And so she puts the Ramsey mug on top of the wine app mug. And these are both pretty thin mugs. So she puts one on top of the other. And that's totally fine. She even showed me. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I would probably have done the same exact thing. Okay, well, so fast forward a couple more days, and it's it's last Thursday, and my wife has surgery scheduled for the next morning, very early, and that day is also Grandparents' Day, where my mom will have my two oldest kids, and so we needed something to happen with our two youngest kids, because again, we were going to be in surgery, she was going to be a Grandparents' Day, and we had two other kids that needed to be watched, so they were going to go up to her parents' house. Um in Virginia. So she, she gets them in the car. This is Thursday, last Thursday evening around five o'clock, six o'clock. So we're in there loads them up in the car and heads on down the road. Well, 
I decide that I just want to be an amazing husband. And so I get the kids working on cleaning the house and we're getting the house all cleaned up. We're running our affectionate, uh, our loving, um, our beloved, I guess I should say, uh, robot vacuum cleaner named Rocky. He's running around the house and I'm doing dishes. Everything's going well. And uh, I'm putting away dishes and I reach into that cabinet to put away something. And the Ramsey mug falls off of the YNAB mug out of the cabinet and breaks into a few pieces. One of those pieces falls all the way onto the floor. Big piece falls all the way onto the floor and gets wedged, stuck even, which I did not realize until later, a couple seconds later when I really realized it. But uh, it was stuck underneath of a of the cabinet and the floor. I went to reach and 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 pick it up and it did not move. But my hand did. And it proceeded to slice a big chunk out of my thumb. Um, it hurt. It hurt badly. And I, I immediately I put my thumb underneath of the sink. I called for Riker, my six-year-old, and I was like, hey, Riker, I might need you to call 911. Immediately, I realized that that was a horrible idea. So I said, never mind. <laughs> I'll call 911. So I dial 911. He calls Tiffany on the, on the um, I can't say her name because then she'll activate, on Lexi. Um, and, and he's freaking out. And she's, she's thinking I'm dead on the floor. And anyway, so um, that, was the, that was the elaborate story. She had surgery the next day. I spent that night you know, in the, in the ER. Um, and it basically they couldn't suture it. It's a pretty gnarly wound. Alex has seen pictures. It's pretty gnarly. It's going to take a month or two to to heal. Um, and it, uh, the next day, of course, she had her surgery. So right now I've got a bum thumb. She's got a bum arm. This morning I fell in the shower and um, <laughs> landed on my hip. That's and so my my hip because I couldn't break the fall with my thumb, right? Um, and and my hip now is very sore and hurting. So uh, it's been, you know, if, if you're the praying type, I would really love some prayer. You know, it's funny. Dave Ramsey, ironically, has a saying that, you know, Murphy's Law is anything that can happen will happen. And so Dave has a, a saying for, you know, when Murphy moves in, right? And that's, you know, it's, it, when bad mm-hmm. things happen, when you tend to not have emergency funds. That's just, that's the context of him saying that, right? It's like, if you don't have an emergency fund, it's like all the bad things happen and pile up. Well, we do have emergency fund money set aside so we're fine there but yet for some reason after coming back ironically from dave's place murphy has moved into our home and the air conditioner on our van has stopped working and i've got a bum thumb she's got a bum arm i've hurt my hip and i'm just praying that we survive these next few weeks um and uh and everything will be okay but you know and i'll I'll end here but i just want to say um I realized in this time, like our lesson at church tonight was on patience and I totally, <laughs> I really did. I really did. Like I'm a hundred, I go a hundred miles an hour. I am not used to things holding me up. I'm not used to being in frankly, such pain. Uh, I've had a pretty darn s- smooth, you know, I've had my bumps in the road, but for the most part, I've had a pretty darn smooth 32 years of life. And, uh, this, uh, honestly, this has slowed me down more than anything else I've ever experienced. So, um, it's been a lesson I'm learning, I'm learning patience, I'm learning gratitude. And, um, that's my story, man. It's crazy. I'd like to really explain to people that when Steve says a chunk was ripped out of his finger, imagine 
you know how if you take like a chicken finger, you can like rip strips off from it. It's like if someone grabs Steve's thumb and ripped a strip off the side of it. I think that's a pretty apt description. Right? Yeah. You know, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what might even be a more apt description. Okay. I agree with yeah, that. Good work. What might even help more is to understand it in the context of meat slicing. Um, because my wife said it this way earlier. It's basically like a three. Like, you know, if you go to the deli and you get a slice at, at the deli, like I like a good, I like a good one. Like I like it as thin as I can get it or half even. Mm. You know, this is like a this is like a three slice. So it's a pretty it's a pretty good little chunk. Um, yes. So it hurts, uh, but you know it's it could have been worse. Um, it's right there where you're you know like on the side of my on the side of my dominant thumb, which is where my space bar is, and most of what I do is writing. You guys know I've told you that before. So it hurts and it's a little discouraging and it's setting me back a little bit. Um, but I'm just trying to remain grateful. You know, it, it no nerves were severed, so it could have been a lot worse. Um, my team is fulfilling on like I mean, I might have not, I might not be very effective, but it's not slowing my team down any. Like we're still getting the work done, and you know, stuffs, you know, new work is coming in, and stuff keeps going on. So I'm thankful for a business. I'm thankful that I'm not going to have to have like hand surgery. I'm thankful that so far it's been healing up fine. So I'm certainly not saying all this to complain. If anything, I'm trying to entertain at my expense here. Um, but uh, it, it it has it's been a challenge, and I'm learning some patience. So, um, if I may, very quickly to to kind of move on from that, unless you have another thought, I do, uh, I do, because I want to read the text uh, yeah. exchange that you and I had about it. Oh, so I I had a cold last week, and Steve and I were um, we we're going to get together last Thursday, and this is when we usually do our podcast uh, recording. And I said said, hey, not feeling well at all tonight. You get doing a different night next week. Blah blah blah. And you sent me a, a picture with the thumbs up wrapped in a bandage, and you said, no worries. I'm not feeling so great either. Hang to the ER. Took a nice chunk out of my thumb. <laughs> yes. Yes. Anyway. I, I, did, I did. I think one up you, you on did. that one. You did. Um, I was just going to anyway. mention on a no. lighter note, maybe perhaps a happier note. Maybe. Um, I, 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 another podcast that I recently found is called connecting with Walt. So I really love, uh, Disney. I love Walt Disney as the as the person, as the business owner. Um, I also love Walt Disney World because I grew up with it. And I'm always looking out for good podcasts about that stuff. And I found one um because I'm mostly interested in ironically, I don't like history. Um, but I like the sort of uh well, I like nostalgic things that matter to me. Like I don't really care about, you know, what happened in 1824. Uh, but I, I like reminiscing on things that happened in my early childhood, which I'm sure most would. And then I like um, things that I can immediately, immediately see a lesson or an impact um, that I can use in my personal life. And with Walt, you know, there seems to be a lot of those, you know, kind of like Steve Jobs or Richard Branson or any Elon Musk, you know, those kind of guys. And um, so there's a podcast that I found called Connecting with Walt. And that's the point of it. It's, it's like that. It, it really, it talks about a lot of stuff that I remember from my time growing up in Disney and even current stuff. Um, but does so in the context of the history of this actual person. Um, and so I, this, I thought that was really cool. And it's, it's a neat podcast. So it's called Connecting with Walt. It's part of the Diz something, Diz Unlocked or Diz, hmm. um, I don't know, th some podcast network um, that, uh, um, yeah, that it's from. So I don't know. I don't know what that is, but the podcast is called Connecting with Walt. And uh, I really like it. So it's good. Awesome. Well, thank you, Steve. I've All had right. a really fun time talking about the movie again and watching. I'm excited for yeah, the cool and uh, Me too. yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Sweet man. All right, sounds good. Thanks everyone for listening. Share it with your friends. Let them know. Um, we'll try to get more people on here as many as we can. So keep on listening.
See ya.